Marilyn made. Be who you are. Do what you want. The podcast. Brought to you by the number one student athlete development program in the world. What's up and welcome back to another weekly installment of the Maryland Made Podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Lovelace, Assistant AD for Student Athlete Development, bringing you this week's podcast, Baggage Claim, NIL Education and Entrepreneurship. As a reminder, the Maryland Made Podcast provides timely, relevant, and practical information to empower student athletes to explore their potentials and pursue their passions. So in this week's episode, I am joined by two individuals who are working to enhance and educate student athletes about personal branding, storytelling, and entrepreneurship through the lens of name, image, and likeness, also known as NIL. Joining us today, we have Grayson Wagner, the Director of NIL Services here at the University of Maryland, and a fan favorite, Tim Bryson, Director of Athlete Education and Compliance from Mogul and a current PhD candidate of the University of Maryland. So now that I have given a brief introduction of who you both are, how about you tell our listeners more about yourselves and then we'll tap into this great conversation. So to start us off, Grayson, tell us about your story and how you got to Maryland. Yep, absolutely. And thank you again, Risa, for having us on. Appreciate it. Um, So really my background, I've always loved college athletics and always wanted to find a way to kind of find a professional opportunity in it. So I went to undergrad at Colorado State, grew up in Colorado played basketball my whole life and wasn't necessarily skilled enough to play in college. So ended up as a a student manager uh, for the men's basketball team out there um, and bounced around, worked in athletic development, did some fundraising things um, when I was at Colorado State as well, um, but really didn't know what my my calling was yet. I kind of delayed it by going to grad school at Nebraska um, to try to figure it out, worked again with basketball there. Um, It was a GA at the University of Nebraska. And then got partnered up, luckily, with, with Open Doors, the company that we use um, for part of our NIL education and kind of our resources uh, compliance-wise, and worked there for about three and a half years, um, and was lucky that some of the relationships I made when I was in grad school, one of them being Jason Yellen, um, who is now here at the University of Maryland, connected with him when he was at the Big Ten Conference. Um, and when this opportunity came up in the fall, um, he, he presented the, the chance and, you know, Applied, went through the process, and is super excited to to be offered the position. Here we are, and now we're about three months in, and excited to to keep pushing and keep making progress here. All right. So before I get to Tim, you mentioned Colorado. So what's been the biggest difference from Colorado to Maryland? This is like two totally different spaces. It is. It is absolutely. Uh, I would say probably traffic at all. Um, I I mean Colorado. It's got its parts like Denver, pretty busy. But I lived up in Fort Collins. Um, college town, but nothing like this, nothing like the the commute on the Beltway. I am getting used to that every day um, and learning that you really can't plan any sort of time around anything. You just kind of get there when you get there. So that's probably been the, the biggest adjustment for me. Yeah, I love Fort Collins, by the way. And yeah, you'll never get used to the D.C., Maryland, Virginia traffic as a native of this area. You just never get used to it. Um, so jumping in, Tim, many of our listeners are familiar with parts of your story and your journey um, since you previously worked here in Maryland Athletics. So how about you tell us more about your role at Mogul? Um, and I think I think the additional benefit to you is that you also are studying um, international college athlete experiences, right, with your PhD. So tell us a little bit about both of those. Yeah, for sure. So what's up, y'all? Again, Tim Bryson, EM pronouns. Um, and at Mogul, I'm the service director of athlete education and compliance. 
I mean, I can honestly say that over the last six, well, now what, seven, eight months, uh, the role has continued to evolve, just given our space as a um, startup in the tech world. Uh, but also, again, the changing demands, priorities of both universities, of athletes, of brands, of parents at this point, right? High schools are getting into it. Um, so what I uh, do at Mogul now is really create content, uh, both in a digital space, but also for in-person programming uh, that helps athletes monetize um, and leverage their brand. Um, so uh, we currently have a fellows program as well as an advisory council that's very similar to SAC. Um, but also a fellows program you'll find on a college campus. I'm also writing blogs and uh, we have our own podcast as well in helping to deliver, um, you know, learnings through, you know, digital uh, airways, but also social media. Um, and then really get, now I get into the part, excuse me, the parent space. And so I had a conversation with a parent actually on Monday, which I've never, I don't think I ever talked to a parent. I talked to one parent at Maryland. But outside of that, I haven't talked to one parent um, in the last four years. And so parents who are even more, honestly, more invested in, uh, you know, their child's uh, NIL experience has been super um, interesting, but definitely a, a development I believe we'll continue to see, especially as NIM moves to the high school level. Uh, from an international college athlete perspective, I think it's again, and I put this on LinkedIn a couple of day, or yesterday, there's been two different, um, both the staff and brand current athlete who have texted me about international athletes that are either their friends and their advisees about employment, about NIL, about life after you know, the NCAA um, experience. And so I think there's a growing conversation about you know how we can better support international college athletes across um, U.S. higher education. I mean, you know, uh, departments and offices like the NCAA, Office of Inclusion, with Shea Wallach are doing a phenomenal job continuing to lead that charge. We definitely need more, um, not allies, but definitely advocates um, and people want to take a risk to, to stand on their behalf as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. And we'll obviously get into the international space um, about NIL a little bit later. Um, but let's jump into a little bit about the background of NIL. So for many of us who work in college athletics, you know, we've been hearing about name, image, and likeness, you know, for a couple of years now. Uh, we are now probably a little over a year and a half into the NIL being something feasible for current NCAA student-athletes to attain. So how, how about you both tell us how you got started in this landscape and why it's important that we have people like y'all in these roles? Yeah, and I think pretty much everyone that has ever been in, you know, growing up in, in the college space and writing papers about whether NIL was ever going to happen or not or whether it should happen, um, I feel like everybody wrote one of those at some point in their time um, through the high school and college process. Uh, so it was always something that was kind of top of mind, but just never knew if it was actually going to become a thing. Um, and I think it happened rather quickly here in the last couple of years now, after a lot of years of just not a lot of progress and pretty stagnant. Um, so when I was at Open Doors, it was lucky to kind of be in that transition period when it was going, you know, laws were being put into place in the legislation in, in July uh, 1st, 2020 or 2021, um, really when NIL first kicked off. And it was cool to just kind of be in the very beginning of things, talking with educators, talking with administrators and trying to help them kind of navigate what the beginning of NIL was, because I don't think anybody really knew. Um, and now that we're 18 months in or a little bit longer, I feel like there's still a ton of questions. So having somebody kind of at the forefront here and being able to, you know, stay on top of different trends, making sure the student athletes are educated. I think it's super crucial because I think it's really easy to fall behind very quickly um, just because of the pace of the industry in general. Tim, what you got to say? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I mean, Grace, you made a good point about the paper piece. And I'm quite honest, I never thought about what I'm about to say next until now is in that, um, like though there were some papers I'm sure that talked about NIL and monetization of one's in you know, one's brand. I mean, I would argue probably 90% of the papers are focused on pay for play, to which, to which NIL is not. And again, we, we all know this on this call. But in that, 
process, I think what because so many people wrote about it, talked about it, et cetera, the pay for play piece, people are looking at NIL as pay for play, as we've seen with other collectors jumping in now, right? Um, athletes thinking looking at NIL as a very transactional um, experience. And so I think the the challenge, even for me personally, is how do I create transformational curriculum, programming, et cetera, when athletes are expecting transactional results um, and execution? And that's been tough just given our model at Mogul um, as far as being in a marketplace, right? And you know, pitching that is free to come on. You can find any deal that you want. It's open to everybody. That, that's great. But NIL is not transactional in the sense. NIL, is not, NIL has become a very transactional conversation and experience. When I think a lot of educators in the space, like the people on this call right now, um, think of it as very transformational, sustainable commitment to one's brand that can extend past their you know, athletic uh, eligibility. So I think right now we're in a, a very, in just a weird place where I think there's different philosophies. Um, I think in an in industry like sports where it's very copycat, um, we look at football and basketball with, you know, seeing what works as far as types of offenses or defenses. We got to get out of this copycat mindset in regards to looking at what other um, uh, organizations are doing, but really figure out what's working best for your college athletes at your school, your region, your division, et cetera. Because, in, Grayson, as you know, it's very different. Like what's happening in Maryland is very different. And even Eastern Shore, I'm working with the athlete now, Eastern Shore, and it's a totally different experience. Um, I think, you know, if you were to watch ESPN or another, you know, reading the uh, news outlet, they'll paint it with one, you know, broad brush. That's not simply true. Yeah, and, and Tim, you mentioned that it is different. And, and UMES is, what, an hour and a half away from here um, in College Park. And thinking about um, just overall the landscape and how states are now coming up with their own laws on top of whatever the NCAA rules and regulations are. Um, and I don't know that Maryland has currently passed one. I think it's coming out this summer. Um, but I wonder how that does play into where students decide they want to go. Like, is one state a little bit more flexible in, in the ways that they can kind of monetize themselves? I just I, I think about that in the seat that I sit in it, and does that play a factor in? And I think we recently just saw an example of that one football player flipped to another school because of a supposed NIL deal that was on the table for them. So um, it is, I think, an ever-evolving landscape. And I think we we as the professionals have to be mindful of kind of what's going on um, as the students are coming to us. Um, so great thing, you mentioned that you work for Open Doors, who is our partner um, prior to coming to, to us. So can you tell us more about your experience at Open Doors? Um, and then in addition to that, what types of education are you doing for our students and our coaches um, that talks about the NIL experience beyond the playing field. Yeah, absolutely. So really at Open Doors, um, I started on the small college side of things, um, and that was really selling the content distribution even before NIL had kicked off. Um, and then once NIL really started, they developed their kind of education offering compliance tools. That's when I really got started into selling more of the smaller D1s and D2s and and we'll say at the very beginning, it was very hard to really prove that value to some of these schools because they just didn't think it was going to touch their student athletes at all. And because there was that constant misconception of, hey, this is the P5 and P5 only. Um, but it was it was cool to kind of go through those conversations with administrators, be able to get their thinking um, and the reasons why they didn't think it was going to impact their student athletes. And then being able to prove out over time, like seeing example after example from kids at these small colleges that are doing really well on NIL because they've committed the resources to, you know, being able to create content on their own or they're great storytellers, things like that, that really showed that NIL can be for everybody. It's not just for the people that have massive followings. 
Um, it's really for any student athlete that really wants to commit to building their brand and being really intentional about what they do. Um, so, and then in regards to here, I think starting with the coaching staff, um, I think a lot of it has been around awareness of even the opportunities that are out there and making sure coaches are aware of kind of what their program looks like and what NIL looks like in their program. Um, some of the different activities that student athletes have completed within their program, uh, where they actually want to get more involved, if they would want to be more on, you know, the, the charitable side of things where they're doing more community service based NIL, um, if there's brands they want to work with. So make sure coaches are aware of that so they can answer questions when student athletes come to them or direct them to me to answer those questions as well. And then from the student athlete perspective, um, I think a lot of times I get a question like, okay, where's my NIL? Like, when, when am I going to get my NIL? Um, so making sure that there's at least the, the base knowledge that says like, NIL is not going to be something that is immediately provided to you. Like, this is going to be something you're building up your name, image, and likeness. You're building your brand. And those opportunities will come based on how you were able to do that and how successful and consistent you are. Um, but making sure that they're aware of things like group licensing, um, the opportunities that they can have outside in the community, whether it's, you know, camps, lessons, working with uh, younger generations. There's so many things out there. And I think there's such a, a wealth of knowledge out here that it's hard to kind of hone in on a couple of different things and student athletes start to lose focus. So making sure that they're focused on the opportunities that can impact them right away. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm interested to hear Tim's perspective because Tim and I often talk about the personal branding piece before they go look at the companies, the storytelling, what is the story you want to tell before you go to the companies. Uh, I do want to note for our listeners that NIL is open to all student athletes, but they don't have to participate if they don't want to. And I think that's really important for people to know is that this is an opportunity afforded to them if they choose to be a part of it. Um, so Tim, you talked a little bit about the role that you have in Mogul and some of the things that you're doing. Um, the, the blogs, the podcasts, the educating students, I've seen you go out to different campuses. Um, so what types of education are you doing in these segments? Um, and how are you teaching students to really utilize telling their story um, and building their brand? Yeah, I think that, I mean, Gracie, I'm laughing because I get that, we get that question a lot as far as, you know, where's my NIL? I, I want to do NIL. I'm like, you want to do your name? Like, talk, talk to me what you really mean, right? Like, what are you really saying right now? Which again, goes back to the uh, education, but also delineation of what name, image, and likeness legislation actually is. Uh, but as far as education, I think uh, initially I came in with a plan that uh, I thought would work. Um, and very quickly, I was like, yo, you need to pause, um, even though you're being asked to move at a fast rate, to really learn, like, what do athletes want from their experience? And I think a big part, Grace, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well, is that, like, us as administrators and educators, that, like, ha having this assumption in regards to what we think they uh, these athletes want to learn about or, you know, be introduced to, and it's quite honestly the opposite, right? And so I'm looking at my notes now from a meeting we had last night in our fellows and Matt, um, advisory council program. They want to learn about content creation, right? How to pitch to brands, how to negotiate contracts, how to introduce NIL to companies who may not be familiar with NIL. And I'm like, whoa, that's very different than like tax <laughs> or like uh, finance, right? Which obviously is super important. We can talk more about that later if time allows, but NIL, NIL their sports. So like they're, very, they're thinking very different than what I think we as administrators and educators collectively thought they would want to learn about, right? Or the pressures that ADs and parents are, you know, asking us to facilitate on a daily basis. So it's really leaning into what uh, they're saying. So a lot of it's been content creation. A lot of it has been, again, how to communicate with the brands, how to um, how to negotiate to get, you know, higher rates, if you will. Um, dun, dun, dun. Those are probably the biggest ones. 
Uh, but again, as we continue to grow and definitely, you know, lean into more um, diverse institutional types like HBCUs, um, like institutions in uh, NAIA, NGCAA, I believe, uh, it'll definitely begin to transform as well. But I think the unique part about Mogul and other marketplace as companies that's different than Maryland is that there's over 6,500 athletes from who knows how many schools. And so readiness levels and, and preparedness levels and even accountability, right, is, is way different. I can't I can't require anything for me. That's just a brand deal, right? Like, it's, so it's, it has its own challenges that um, we're still trying to troubleshoot to make sure they have to have, to make sure athletes that want to be involved have what they need to uh, to thrive. Christian, did you want to add anything else to to what Tim just mentioned? Yeah, and I, I think that piece around student athletes wanting more tools around content creation and you know how to negotiate is huge. Um, that's something we're looking to start building out here as well, because it, there's so many like pieces to the or to the actual process of getting an NIL deal um, that also apply to later on in life, though, like those things, yeah, you know, like being able to sell yourself and pitch yourself. I, there are massive things that you need to know how to do for the future. So being able to learn those skills, whether it's in the form of an NIL deal um, or in the job process, whatever it may be, I feel like you're always selling yourself in some capacity to someone and kind of your value. Um, so yeah, that's it's good to hear that student athletes do want more of that and something that we want to definitely be providing more of as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, from the lens of student athlete development, I think we've always told students that like, if you know who you are, it's easier to go where you, you, you want to go because your feet are planted, right? And so I think as y'all are having this conversation, there's a lot of things that I'm picking up that I'm like, hmm, maybe I should think about this, or maybe I should, students should think about this. And so I think from both of y'all perspectives, because you're coming from two different spaces, what should student athletes be paying attention to when they decide to participate in these activities, right? I hear Tim say, um, think about your personal branding before you go to these um, organizations. Grayson, I'm hearing you say, like, you got to think about the long-term picture as well. So, like, what are some things that immediately they should be thinking about if they decide to jump into to name, image, and likeness? Yeah, I'd say first thing is whether or not, if, you know, if a company reaches out to you or you reach out to a company, making sure that company aligns with, you know, the values that you put out there and kind of what you stand for. Um, I kind of run an exercise basically saying, like, if you put an ad for whatever company on your feed, like, is that going to fit in your feed? Is that going to make sense for the people that really know you? Or is that going to be like, oh, that's a, a weird deal that so-and-so did. I wonder, like, there's no connection there. Um, but, you know, the best deals that you're going to see out there are the ones where like, oh, that makes complete sense that so-and-so would work with that company. That's what they value. That's what they stand for. And that's, it fits on their feed. So it's kind of a silly thing to like say, does this fit on my feed or not? But just based on kind of how you appear, you know, and how you've presented yourself on social and how people know you, it's important to consider that. Um, and especially for the long term of things, too, because, you know, when things come off as genuine, when they come off as valuable um, and, you know, they fit your brand, fit your values, those benefits are going to be long term from those deals because those companies are going to want to work with you in the future. They might want to do, you know, multi-year deals with you where you're providing really great content because it fits what they stand for and it fits what you stand for. Yeah, I think understanding yourself, that's been a theme even on our podcast as well with the 15 guests we've had so far. But I would say even thinking about this, like the details, right? Um, and so like when you're on, like I'm wearing, for example, like just vibes, he's in chain, a Skyline shirt, shout out Skyline Cincinnati. But I'm gonna take, this is content. I'm gonna take this, like yo, Skyline, yo, like I rock y'all stuff all the time, right? 
I'm tagging you in everything. Like, what's up? And I've had times back in back home in Cincinnati where they send me $25 gift cards, $50 gift cards to get free food. And so I think, especially again, it's whether it's digital age, social media, whatever, right? It's like this idea that you got to hit a home run as far as getting mm-hmm. four or five, six figure deals. And like, that's not the case. Like you can think more creatively in in and uh, critically about like how you want to not just monetize, but really leverage your NIL, uh, for their free product, you know, free meals, money, uh, admission into grad school, employment, et cetera. So I think it's an opportunity for us. And, and Grace, you're saying a lot of good stuff right now in regards to like the focusing on yourself, right? But thinking more human centered, both in NIL education, but also athlete development education. I think more has been interesting for myself having conversations with a lot of athlete development prof- uh, professionals across the country and hearing how like what they're seeing from their campus and like then me talking to them that we then together we like you know co-create something so um like I said it's, a, it's an interesting time but for athletes though just think about the details it don't gotta be that deep it really doesn't like stay within what you know what you like post that tag them and it's okay to have more than six posts on your Instagram that's what it's for like don't think of it as a uh like an antique or something that's in the, the Louvre in, uh, in France. Like you can really po- like post, like you got to post. And then shout out to me and Marsha for on my podcast saying it, but you got to post, you do. Well, and that's how people get to know you, right? And Tim, to your point, like if you're tagging these companies, maybe they'll see you, right? And they'll think about what does that look like? And you mentioned the employment piece. I always try to keep that in the forefront of our students' mind is to say, okay, if I want to work for Microsoft and I'm using a Microsoft computer and all these other things, like, let me tell that story so that maybe they see me in a different lens and I don't have to apply for a job because they've already seen me and want to hire me, right? So I think about it in that long game too. Like this isn't just, it doesn't have to be in the four years that you're in, at the institution. It can go a lot farther than that. Um, so really good point, Tim. Um, but I, I want to switch gears here because there's a group of students who right now legally can't really participate in NIL. And so um, through some of my understanding of NLSL, sounds like, you know, this should be something that's open to all NCAA sponsored students. Um, but unfortunately, the federal regulations don't currently allow international student athletes this opportunity. So, Tim, I know you're studying about that the international college student experience. Can you tell me more and tell our listeners more about the restrictions and if there's been any movement to allow them these opportunities? Yeah, it's been an interesting conversation more lately because I know a couple, there was a podcast that I think Christy Dasha did with two immigration lawyers. And what these lawyers are essentially doing is helping international college athletes get the um, professional athlete visa. I think the P1 is what it is, which could open up the door for not just international athletes being professional athletes, but then that means the other 480,000 NCAA athletes would be professional athletes. So that's nuanced for sure. But nevertheless, it's tied to their immigration status as an F1 student. And so um, as F1 students in the U.S. higher education system, they can't monetize um, their NIL, and that's not just for athletes, it's for all F1 students, all a million that are in the U.S., again, studying at colleges and universities across um, our country. Um, the Obviously, the issue is that they can't, we, they can't monetize, which we know, but there have been instances to where um, the player at Kentucky, I forget his name right now, you know, monetized when he was outside mm-hmm. of the U.S. for a tournament. There have been other athletes, I think Penn State football, they went to, um, they had Canadian athletes, they did a deal up in Canada, and so there is opportunity for um, international athletes to monetize their NIL back in their home country or non-US country, which would be pretty cool and honestly a free idea for anyone listening to this podcast to be able to partner with global companies to provide um, opportunities for athletes to um, to um, to leverage. But I do think it's something from a conversation standpoint, especially as they're coming to us, you know, like myself and Grayson and you, Risa, to say, one, we know it's, it's messed up, right? Let's be, speak truth to that. But then two, like, let's talk about this career piece because if you want to stay in the US, we can leverage in that way. 
Um, and so the career development of international athletes in U.S. higher education is definitely one that's still under research, I think, under supported in a lot of ways. And so if we can't monetize, again, how do we leverage our brand to secure employment um, and then, you know, work more creatively outside of the U.S. to you know, get you some money as well? Yeah, I think that's key is that we have, I think, about 50 plus international students here. And so I think oftentimes, like, how do we help them in these spaces and to hear that they actually can go, you know, to their home country and still get the experience, even though it's not necessarily the day to day experience domestic students get it, it is it is still valuable to them. I mean, I don't know that many of them actually know that. Um, so now that we've heard about your experiences and the background of NIL, I really want to talk about you know, how are students experiencing this? So Grayson, I know you see it from Maryland and you've seen it in previous stops and Tim, you're seeing it with kind of that national coverage. Um, so Tim, can you tell, you are known for assisting student athletes in defining their brand and telling their story. Um, can you tell us why it's important that through NIL and beyond that we assist our student athletes in identifying their brand and story? Yeah, I think it goes back to what Grayson said earlier about knowing yourself and spending time knowing, your, knowing ourselves. Um, because again, I think people, I mean, there's been a few athletes that look to me like, yo, you got a beer page and a podcast. And it's like, these are all things that I, I would do, whether I got paid for it or not, like mm -hmm. genuinely. And I remember starting my beer page and I told Patrick, I'm going to send this clip to Patrick Malin at, uh, he's at the NCA with me. He's like, why are you posting about beer? And I'm like, bro, like, I just want to get free beer one day. That's all I want is to get free beer. And sure enough, it happened. I mean, actually made a couple of beers, whatever, but like legit just from posting pictures of beer. And so being able to say like, yo, stay within what makes sense to you and what rings true to you. And that's where the money is, like the money resides. If that's we're going to use cultural references, right? But also like where you will find value and opportunity from a career standpoint, leadership standpoint, to so just learn more about the business. Because Grayson, as you know, like there's a lot of money out here. Like what money we see and money we don't see. There's a lot of money, a lot more brands each and every day that want to get more involved in the space. And I think, and I forget who said this on my podcast recently, it might have been Kirby, but like staying within what you know and, and being able to um, reflect who you are, that's your, your value proposition, right? Like that's what's going to make you different and separate you from the rest um, of other athletes as they're applying to deals and are pitching deals to brands because they want people that are values can grow in brand, you know, uh, brand alignment, et cetera. But again, if you don't know yourself, I mean, similar to dating, like you can't date somebody else. You can't, you can't lock in a brand deal. It's not, it's just not going to work be exposed quickly yeah I feel like you're giving us the title of this episode know yourself first right like because, because that's what it boils down to at the end of the day um and obviously Grayson you're doing this here at the University of Maryland and I feel like recently we just posted something about momentum which is what we call our NIL here at Maryland so can you tell us what are some opportunities that our students have seen here I think we've often talked about it's not necessarily the bigger names from football and basketball that are getting some of these larger deals. It's coming from some of our other sports. Tell us a little bit about all of that in terms of what it looks like here at the University of Maryland. Yeah, so we we had our biggest month in terms of NIL activities um, this January uh, since we started kind of the, the NIL marketplace in the Maryland marketplace, which was good to see. Um, and it, it's been a, a fairly broad spectrum of deals from, you know, you see the big ones that are publicized, you know, we've had student athletes work with Pepsi and Jersey Mike, stuff like that. But the amount of fans just going through the marketplace and pitching to our student athletes has been really cool to see whether it, we've had a couple that have asked, you know, a student athlete to do a shout out for their son or daughter for their tryouts coming up and just to wish them luck. And, you know, it's usually 
20, 30 bucks, but it makes a huge difference. And that's like the real genuine NIL because you have somebody that's looking up to you um, in the community and you're able to make that impact that you weren't able to before uh, because there was just really no way to go about it and any good way to keep a student athlete safe um, as well in those transactions. So it's been cool to see things like that. Um, and then also, I know I have student athletes reach out about setting up camps for the summer, things like that. Um, that I think we're going to start to see a lot more of as well, where they're going back into their hometowns, setting up camps with the local communities and people that really care about them um, and people that really want to support them. So I'm excited to see more opportunities like that come through. Um, and then also just the local businesses in the area. I think there's been some increased interest in the last couple of months with local businesses really wanting to work with Maryland student athletes. Um, so excited to see a couple of those. I know we had a student athlete work with, uh, it was a, believe a cheesesteak company and made their own cheesesteak sandwich where it was on the menu. Um, cool things like that, that they're a little out there, they're a little different, but they make you stand out. Um, so excited to see kind of the, the growth and the opportunities we've had and, and hopefully more to come. Yeah, and I think there's obviously, we're only 18 months, like you said, into this. So who knows where this is gonna go? But I do think that the, really the sky is kind of the limit. Um, but what would y'all say are challenges that our students are facing? So we remove the part about them maybe not knowing themselves. What are some of the other bigger challenges that they could encounter as it relates to NIL? Yeah, so I mean, I think probably the biggest thing is just the amount of information out there I think is overwhelming. And I think it can turn off a student athlete from actually wanting to be involved in NIL because they see the stories about the millions of dollars of deals. They might think, oh, well, I don't fit into that so I can never take part in it. And I think if you come into that mindset right away, I think it's it's a lot of fatigue on them. It's frustrating because they're automatically have kind of a bad connotation around NIL. Um, so making sure that they know the things that they can do, they know that they are valuable and they have worth in the NIL space and it's really what they make it, um, making sure that they're aware of that. And I think also just trying to stay away from the media headlines is all is probably the, the main focus of that. Knowing what, you know, your student athletes and what your peers are doing at your school is much more important than the stories that you see in the media um, and being able to really communicate with your peers, your student athletes, your other student athletes on what they're doing, being able to pitch ideas back and forth, um, being able to pitch ideas with people like me in administration, just being able to brainstorm and talk through these things. Um, I think is going to be really helpful for them so they know that there are opportunities out there for everybody. Yeah, I think there's two things. Uh, the first of which, there's definitely a lot, of, a lot of information out here. But from a marketplace standpoint, athletes, I need y'all to read, like actually read the description, read the deliverables. And I'm going to take us back to the ACC days, but it will have a deal on Mogul that's like, yo, this this deal is for Duke athletes only. And there'll still be Maryland athletes applying because of the money. I'm like, bro, like, sis, like, you, I need you to read. So, again, I think it's been going back to this paper play piece. Like, they think it's like quick money, right? Yeah. They're paying, whether they're paying for a meal, paying, helping to pay for rent, whatever the case might be. That's a separate root cause we can talk about later. But, like, just read, like, read before you apply. Like, genuinely read before you apply. The second thing, uh, was I going with that? Oh, it's been like a competition, right? And I think there's definitely, there's been, uh, it's been cute, you know, seeing King of NIL, D3, King of NIL, but like, it's not a competition, right? And I think people begin to see it as competition. I need, need 10 deals, I need 20 deals, I need 30 deals. And then how that then can take away from why we are in higher education, whether that's because of your degree, whether it's because of your sport, 
And I've seen cases where like you can't fulfill, like people sign up for all these deals and then they can't fulfill a deal, right? Um, true story, I had an athlete reach out, say, yo, like I know I signed up for X, Y, and Z deal, but like right now my mental health is struggling, just given everything else that he's going, he's going through. So it's like, they're real, there's real life. And again, whether you're an athlete or, you know, supporter, community member, listen to this pod, like they're still athletes, right? They're still humans at the end of the day. And so for athletes, just be mindful of what you are sign, not just signing up to do, but committing to do, because it's another responsibility on top of everything else that we've already have done research on that you're already overwhelmed with prior to NIL becoming legal, you know, what, a year and a half ago. So mental health is also a huge point of emphasis. Yeah, I think y'all have given <laughs> some really good tidbits. And, you know, I know we're not tax experts, but make sure that, you know, we're headed to tax season, <laughs> you get your taxes in. Because again, how many of our students have had to do this before? I mean, yeah. you know, I own my own business as well. And I contract out because I don't want to worry about it, right? Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that to me is also a big challenge that, at 18 year old now have to think about those things, right? Yeah. And so I just wanna, you know, make sure that we throw that out. Um, and I know Grayson has given some great resources, but again, we can't help you. Your administrators on your campuses cannot help you. Um, so make sure you're connecting with your family or external resources that um, kind of keep you out of the legal trouble because mm-hmm. we wanna make sure you're succeeding all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, so so kind of as we wrap up this episode, um, I think y'all have given some really good information to to this point. Um, but what are two or three things that you would give as advice to any student athlete who's interested in doing this, right? Again, this isn't something they have to do, but but what is what is the value add potentially to their life um, if they decide to participate in this? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is just recommending the student athletes they're they're intentional with how they approach NIL. Um, and they have some sort of a plan around it and it, whether or not it's if they have an end goal of working with companies or they want to come out of school and they want to have a successful podcast that they've built up from their time in school, things like that, making sure you have a plan in place from the get go. And that plan can change and things adjust over time. Um, but having some sort of end goal and some sort of focus point, I think is huge. And if you do that the right way, if you align with your values, I think opportunities outside of that will present itself. You'll, you know, you'll go through natural growth. Um, You'll see those things become successful Um, and just making sure you're not trying to take on too much at once and just kind of sticking with what you're good at, staying where you see value and the different passions that you have and trying to expand those out. Yeah, three things I would say. Uh, one, recognize that we're living, like literally living in history right now. Like I saw LeBron last night, shout out to the GOAT, but literally living in history right now, regardless of, like what this NIL space is. And so they're just giving ourselves and yourself grace um, to just sit in it sometimes, right? Just literally just breathe it. The second thing, have fun with it, yo. Like this was, it's <laughs> past to help y'all in a lot of ways. So I had like, think about innovative things you can do to just have fun and try new things that you may not have done otherwise um prior to legislation and then the last thing is definitely very personal to me um just play the long game because there's definitely deals and opportunities post you playing whether that's coaching whether it's the camps etc that you can build out um, and to see scale over time would not just be dope to observe but also um, increase money in your pocket um and so play the long game for sure because what you do now is definitely and could de- can definitely um, take off um, in future years and I'll give a big shout out to Nadia uh, Nadia Hackett who's done a phenomenal job on TikTok just growing a brand that is definitely a model for other athletes especially at Maryland to follow for sure yeah and sometimes to have that a hundred thousand dollars today but get a smaller <laughs> amount of a thousand over the weeks you know 
right Tim said play the long game sometimes it's better to get the smaller amount that's gonna last you longer than to get a lump sum today um so my last question in regards to nil today um is really towards the administrators who may be listening to this um what should we all be aware or on the lookout for as it regards to nil and i think grayson i don't know where where you are in the, in the midst of this but I know Maryland is working towards a state law regarding NIL and other states have it, but what should we be looking forward to here in the next two to three years? Yeah, I think probably more and more involvement from group licensing is going to be become a thing. Uh, it's because it's such a, it's a low effort on the front end. It kind of allows a lot of different student athletes to be involved in. I think companies are really starting to realize that. Um, and then, I think also you're, you're going to start to see both national and local companies. I think we're kind of past the honeymoon phase of NIL where it was just throw money at, at every single student athlete because it was a cool thing to do. It was trendy. We have to be involved in NIL without actually knowing what it is. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot more targeted approaches from some of these companies um, and they're going to really narrow down what they're looking for in a student athlete. And the student athletes that have really done a good job of building their brand over time are going to be the ones that just ultimately float to the top of those candidate pools. Um, because I, at the end of the day, like, although it's student athletes, like they want to have these partnerships and they want to be able to work with brands, like brands from their side of things also want to see value too in an ROI for them. Um, so now I think there's a little bit of a better understanding and that'll continue to grow over time. Um, of what brands actually want out of NIL. Um, so making sure that student athletes have kind of in their toolbox how to provide value, how, you know, past resources and data from different deals that they've done that they can provide to a brand um, and really be able to show how partnerships have worked for them in the past. It's a really good piece, uh, Grayson. It's on that, uh, the last part, that's definitely real. <laughs> I said the things for me, definitely international athletes, I think is going to happen. Um, I'm hopeful 2024, not 2025. But I think second to that would be international outreach. And so when, if and when, as we begin to be more, become more globalized and internationalized, you know, softball is going on the way to Mexico right now, right? What if Mexican athletes, Mexican college athletes were to do deals in Mexico to help bring light to not just a brand in the U.S., but also the NCAA model for athletes that want to, you know, compete at the college level, I think would be super interesting. But I think the the big thing, and Grayson, good luck with this, is that um, Gen Z is real, and they've been on TikTok since they were seven years old, and they're going to come into universities with a lot higher demand and expectation for what a university should be doing to help them get NIL, whatever that means. And so I think to your point, Grace, I think they're going to see a lot more school-wide deals, team-civic deals, um, individual deals across division that um, – a lot of these creators that have you know, literally had a freaking TikTok since they were five years old are going to have an advantage, um, advantage over given these athletes right now didn't have the same experience growing up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a valuable thing to say, Tim. Like, I look at these kids who even have YouTube pages, right, and are million, yes. millionaires at five, six years old. Like, what does that <laughs> translate to, you know, mm -hmm. when they get to college? <laughs> It'll be an interesting time at that point. Maybe I'll be <laughs> too old to be working at the NC in the NCAA by then. Um, but here's here we're tapping into something different, right? Like this is a fan favorite of ours. We like to do what we know the rapid fire. So I'm gonna ask y'all a few questions. The first one will be interesting, but the less few are, are to know, have our fans know a little bit more about you. Um, so Grayson, I'm gonna put you on the seat first, and then Tim, you'll follow. Um, so. I have, um, so since this, I have to give a nod to the topic we've been covering, 
if you were a student athlete, what's a company you would want to partner with? Would go Kava, so I'd save some money on lunch. That would be super helpful right now. <laughs> I have not been there yet, and it's right here. Tim, what you got? I was going to say Warby Parker. Shout out to Warby Parker. I'll be hitting you up after this meeting. But uh, H&M. H&M okay. be the one okay. I hit up. So now for the fans to know more about y'all individually, though, um, do you prefer to work at home, work in person, or hybrid? I got to go hybrid. I worked at home for the last three and a half years, back in the office now. Um, but I think it's super important to have that day or so where you're able to kind of re-energize yourself and be at home uh, while still being productive. I'm going to go coffee shop or brewery. I don't know where that counts or where that lays, but <laughs> I'm at a coffee shop or a brewery for sure. Working at a distance. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> who is your favorite musical artist? It could be current. It could be all time. You choose how you want to answer that. I'm going to go with Anderson Pack. He's been, yeah. since before Silk Sonic, he's been to a couple of his concerts and super entertaining, all-around talented guy. Um, always has fun on stage, lots of energy. I, I did not know who Anderson was prior to the last summer, Grayson. Don't, don't. That hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not, yeah. My favorite is Aubrey Graham. Some people call him Drake. Heard of him. I can't, yeah. I can't. And then last but not least, I mean, Tim, you mentioned this, LeBron broke the record last night. But who's y'all favorite athlete? Again, all-time or current? I'll give you either. All-time, I got to go Kobe. I'm I'm a big Lakers fan, but I will always pick Kobe over LeBron, even after last night. Um, and then if I had to pick somebody right now, especially relating to NIL, I'd have to go somebody like Jamal Williams that is just so unapologetically himself about everything. I think he would absolutely crush right now if he was in college in NIL. Um, he, he does everything with the energy, and that's very consistent with who he is. And I love that about him. And he's also pretty pretty good on the field as well, so it doesn't hurt. Okay. That's tough. I, my favorite athlete right now is John Moran. He's very, very unapologetic, like underdog, undersized. I just, we're the same side, I think, but I feel that. And then from an NIL perspective, I appreciate that part, Grayson. I would say, uh, I do not like this man. I don't, but he's doing it. It's Draymond Green. He's really, he's really created a lane for himself. And that's what I'll be telling athletes. Like, the, the pro athletes are doing this in front of our eyes, and y'all just don't see it. Him, Pat and Bev, a, like, and the Kelsey brothers, right? Kelsey like, brothers. they're always on my TikTok with their podcast. I'm, I've never listened to it, but the little clips they be dropping. I mean, again, to y'all point, I think Grayson, you mentioned the podcast lane earlier. Like, it's an easy win, and most of us are listening to them now. So, yeah. Well, thank you both for participating in such a great conversation today. Um, as always, I like y'all to drop your information to the fans if they want to, you know, get in contact with you or our student athletes. Um, so, Grayson, you want to drop your contact information? How can folks reach out to you? Yeah, feel free to shoot me an email at gpwagner, W-A-G-N-E-R, at umd.edu. Uh, it's also on the, the website as well, um, on the, the contact directory page, too. And Tim? Yeah, just follow me on Instagram at Timothy F is in Ford Bryson B R Y S O N. Look forward to connecting with y'all. All right. And to all of our Maryland student athletes who listen to us weekly, um, just a few upcoming events I want to address. We have next week is our career readiness week. 
featuring two workshops, one called Cleats to Careers on Tuesday, February 14th, and then Real Spill, a panel conversation addressing workplace culture and mental health on February 15th. And then, you know, it's Black History Month, so we will be bringing back Black Voices and Career Readiness, a panel discussion where we center Black voices, sharing their truths, how they advance joy and protect their peace on their career journeys, and that is February 21st. So on behalf of the Maryland Made team, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Grayson, for joining us today and sharing your perspective um, of NIL education and entrepreneurship. Enjoy the rest of your day and see y'all all next episode. Peace out. Thank you.